Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time, work, Friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Breaking down G5 and the FCS NFL draft prospects at each position coming up here on Prospects 101. This is the show where we break down football prospects from all levels. We're talking high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and of course the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods. Also make sure that you follow Prospects prospects 101 on social media that's at prospects 101 pod two-man show today as i'm joined halfway around the world by my co-host brandon pastel what's up man what's up man you know the one thing i kind of just noticed is i was doing my pre-game uh notes today is you know we really don't have an off season for this show like as soon as no. the season actual season college season ends this is like game time for us talking about free agency talking about nfl draft combine pro days and we just keep on rolling, man, 365. Hey, when it comes to prospects, there is never a day off, right? Because these guys are out there working. There's always off-season stuff, of course. Then there's the in-season games, right, that are going on, which are, it's always a blast to watch. And, you know, anybody who follows this show and listens to our podcast knows, you know, we do two shows during the college football season. But you're right. Then we got the NFL draft, and – then we're preparing for the college football season. Then there's always recruiting news going on. So that's how we roll here at Prospects 101 Pastel. 365, <laughs> always staying on the wheel. Absolutely. And with free agency happening uh, here in the next few days, it's going to change a lot of mock drafts coming up. So definitely stay tuned because we'll be dropping our 2.0 probably in the next few weeks after uh, free agency and all the signings happen here. Yeah, absolutely, and I think we'll probably do one of one of our mock drafts next week, Pastel, either yours or, or, or mine, and then we'll have another announcement coming up shortly about where you can find those mock drafts uh, once we yes, have sir. all of that finalized here on the show. But, Pastel, let's get into some top news. Really, uh, two big things that happened this week. First, Cam Newton signing a one-year deal to return back to the New England Patriots per sources. 
what are the implications with that that happen that have to do with the NFL draft, especially here in the first couple of days? I don't think there's many implications really at all. I think the Patriots could really do – they could still sign a quarterback if they want it in the first round, and that would probably be ideal knowing that Cam Newton is not the long-term answer in New England. So if they want to draft, say, Mac Jones or Trey Lance, they could still let those guys sit for a year, develop underneath uh, McDaniel's system, and really just take the reins in year two, year three. Or they could decide not to draft a quarterback and just keep building around camp for the year. I, I just think this was a smart, low, uh, I mean, low-key signing because they didn't cost them very much. I want to say it was $5 million for the year with some incentives for a starting quarterback. That's nothing. And a guy like Cam Newton, which still has the MVP talent. It's just whether he can stay healthy and develop. Um, I think it was a great signing overall. I don't see too many big implications besides it, like, it makes them flexible more flexible than what they were coming into the draft. So overall, I'm giving it two thumbs up for the Patriots. How about you, Gless? Yeah, no, I agree. I I don't think there's any draft implications. They're still sitting there at 15. They could move up and get a quarterback if they want, or maybe the quarterback that they're targeting is a day two, day three guy, right? Maybe it is a Jamie Newman. Maybe it's a Kyle Trask that they really like and that, that can sit behind Cam uh, for a year, learn the offense, and then ultimately when Cam's ready to move on after next season, uh, if that's the case, then that next guy could take the reign. So the only implication I could see would be that this that this could possibly take him out of the running for those five quarterbacks we expect to go on day one. Maybe able to cross the Patriots off that list because they may be targeting a quarterback on day two or day three that they really like. And, and they, they, they feel could be a franchise guy, but just may need a little bit of time. So, and, and, you know, Bill Belichick could address other needs there at 15. That's the only implication I could see. Um, but again, it's really hard for us to know without free agency on, on where some of these teams sit. And I think free agency will tell us, who these teams that'll go after these top five quarterbacks will be depending on where some other guys fall. So no implication, not a lot of implications other than, um, you know, potentially takes them out of, you know, day one, getting one of those five quarterbacks. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the one thing for people to keep in mind as well is I think they had the third most cap room coming into free agency, not to mention they have probably five or six players coming back that opted out last year from COVID. So while people might think this was, you know, an average team last year, I think they went seven and nine. They're a lot better than what they were last year already. And this is before free agency, with the third most cap room. So they can address a lot of needs in free agency and be very flexible when it comes to the draft and do the normal draft thing that they do, which, you know, of course, is trade down, gather more picks. And then we start looking at the draft and like, man, they had 13 picks this year again. It's just it's crazy how that run they run that organization and. Again, that's why they've won Super Bowls for so many years. (laughs) Speaking of a quarterback that will more than likely be taken in day one, Trey Lance out of North Dakota State has his pro day yesterday. Uh, Pastel, I did not get the chance to watch it. I know that you were watching it. What were your thoughts based on how he performed? I know one of the things that you said that was a little bit surprising to me is that he did not run a 40, that it was purely just kind of showcasing – you know, his, his arm and passing skills and everything that he's been working on during the off season. Yeah. And I think when you look at Trey Lance, like, you know, he can run the football, watch any game that he's played in 
and he rushes for over 100, 150 yards game. Uh, he's, he's a power type of running, uh, quarterback with, you know, that long distance type of speed. I, the guy can run. I don't think that 40 was going to help or hurt him at all. I think what teams wanted to see was his accuracy, his deep downfield accuracy, how he can go through his reads, take, uh, you know, snaps under center. And when I watched that pro day yesterday, I thought he showed a lot of that. The one thing that I noticed right off the bat was the the amount of velocity behind his balls on that 15-yard out on those deep posts, on those post corners. The guy has a rope for an arm, and that's just – I knew he had a strong arm, but seeing some of the deep ball accuracy kind of surprised me. I know everybody looks good in shorts, but it, it was a good pro day for him, and he threw some deep balls probably 50, 55 yards. And he, his feet weren't even set. I mean, the guy has a cannon. I think a lot of people are now starting to compare him. And, I, and I'm beginning to agree with Josh Allen uh, comparison. The guy just has a cannon. Uh, he can run the football. He can make throws that some guys just – they just can't make in the NFL. The biggest thing with him is accuracy. And you did see that a little bit uh, in his pro day yesterday when you saw him in the red zone. He was kind of just overthrowing those fades to the end zone. Wasn't extremely accurate. And that's something that he's going to have to do better. But – but that's what I saw from the pro day in, in Glessner as we, I mean, the show that we're going to do today, obviously, is uh, non-Power 5 prospects. And you've got the first one at the quarterback position, which is Trey Lance. So maybe you can go a little bit deeper on yeah. your analysis of Trey Lance. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love the Josh Allen comparison because that's the one, I think his ultimate ceiling is is Josh Allen, right? Like, that's what you're drafting him for. He's not as big height wise but he's got the big arm and he has the ability to to run he's a better runner than Allen is um I wouldn't say he's a better athlete but he's a better pure pure runner but I do like the Josh Allen com- comparison a lot it's kind of the what I've been going off of so yeah and and again to to go off of what what Pastel said you know we're breaking down our best G5 or FCS NFL prospect at each position. So if you just do the math, that means not power five <laughs> to, to make it easy. And <laughs> I started a quarterback, obviously Trey Lance, it makes it pretty easy. I do have an honorable mention. I debated doing the honorable mention because Trey Lance is kind of the, the given non power five quarterback that you know, that's top in his position. And again, he's got an incredible arm talent. There is no doubt about it. He, he can just throw a ball on a rope. Uh, the velocity is there. He's a incredible, incredible natural runner when he breaks the pocket. North Dakota State, they ran a lot of quarterback run game. So you see the ability for him to tuck, tuck the ball away and be involved in the quarterback run game, which could be a real problem for teams on third and fourth and short. It's really a nice kind of weapon in, and uh, really handy in an offensive coordinator's tool set to be able to have a guy that does that, right? The raw ability is there. There's no doubt about it. He's got the size standing at 6'4". I believe he's 230. The arm strength is there. He's a natural runner. So if you designed a guy out of a lab, he probably looks something like this. And so <laughs> that's why NFL teams are so intrigued with him. And that's why I'm intrigued. But I also think that he's probably one of the tougher players to evaluate, which I think yesterday really helped him, right, in going out there and in, in showing what he's got in the pass game. Pasto, you kind of mentioned it. Really, the big knock against him is the accuracy downfield and being able to be consistent 
down the field. Um, actually, another pro for him. He doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, he, he just doesn't turn the ball over. He didn't throw an interception in an entire season as the starter at North Dakota State. He did throw two picks against Central Arkansas in his only game this season. Uh, but that's probably an outlier, probably just kind of going out there trying to really force some things he probably wouldn't have done if it wasn't a one game season for North Dakota state. <laughs> but again, I'll get back to the, you know, the, the two knocks that, that scouts have against him, Right. So the accuracy, particularly downfield, as we mentioned, I would say game reps against FC, um, FCS competition. This is the other thing. So Brandy only attempted 18 passes per game. And then if you take that by the amount of games that he played 17 and all of those games were against F- FCS competition, right? So hasn't really had a whole lot of throws on film, right? Against guys that are coming after him, against premier pass rushers, right? Probably the best team he's played against is James Madison, uh, your school, which is that's very fair. They're a really, really solid program. So those are the two things that are probably knocks about him is the accuracy and then the game reps, uh, and then ultimately uh, the competition that he played against. And d- does does the film look extra good because of who he's playing against? And I don't know that because I'm not an NFL scout. I know how I feel about it. Um, but again, I'm not the one making decisions. Ultimately, Lance is an incredible athlete. He's got incredible talent. and But he's going to need a year, in my opinion, to sip aside somebody. And if he does that, and if he develops, he could be a really special player. Uh, he's definitely a first rounder and possibly a top 10 pick in the position I see him going. And a perfect fit for me would be San Francisco from 12. Maybe they trade up to 10. He sits behind Jimmy G for a year, learns that Kyle Shanahan offense works on the accuracy. And then I think he could get in the game to be pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the, the one good thing I'll spot him is, the NFL has started to adapt these college uh, concepts and college systems, which really allows the QB to utilize their legs a lot more. So you see it with Kyler Murray, you see it with Lamar Jackson, you see it with Josh Allen, you see it with a lot more quarterbacks. So while it might take a little bit for his arm to develop and his accuracy, at least he can always fall back on his legs as he still adapts to the NFL, which I can only think is a positive because we both know that, if you're going to draft him in the top 10, he's not sitting for a year. I think he's sitting for six games tops uh, before he gets thrown into the fire. So at least he always has his legs to, th- to, to fall back on uh, while, you know, the rest of his game develops. So sure. I sure. agree. I mean, he's a, yep. he's a top 10 player. Yep. So honorable mention, I had Shane Bichelle here out of SMU. Could be a nice late round pick as well from uh, obviously that's non-power five, right? They play in the AAC. Really nice player, had a really productive college career, uh, and I could see him being a late, you know, a late day three pick, uh, potentially an undrafted free agent, and certainly make a roster somewhere uh, in the NFL. So that's enough out of the quarterback position. Again, that's Trey Lance. Pastel, I'll kick it over to you. Who is the top non-Power 5 running back you feel that are on draft boards? Dude, I feel like people would just want to forget about Kenneth Gainwell, the once – the redshirt freshman, when he last played, because he, he opted out this past year, that ran for close to 1,500 yards, uh, had over 600 yards receiving with the total of, I believe, yeah, 16 touchdowns. So, you know, in total over 2,000 yards as a redshirt freshman. I mean, this guy was explosive in every manner of the football. 
uh, game in all aspects of it, whether he was split out as a receiver or behind the quarterback as a running back. I mean, the, the guy's got everything. I, I'm in love with him as a running back. He's 5'11", 191, so he he could use about 10 to 15 more pounds, which hopefully he was able to add on into the NFL without losing speed. But the, the player he reminds me of is Le'Veon Bell. Now, is he as good as Le'Veon Bell? Will he be as good as Le'Veon Bell? Maybe not, but that's the type of game I see Kenneth Gainwell being able to utilize him as a receiver as well. I mean, look at the guy that came right before Kenneth Gainwell, Antonio Gibson, and look how he's a, adapted to the Redskins offense and, and the things they're able to do with them, you know, as a running back and as a receiver. So there's a lot of future or promise in this guy's future. Uh, I think he's probably a third or fourth round pick. I think him opting out for a year is going to leave some scouts with a lot of question marks, you know, with only one year of playing at a G5 school. But do not be surprised if this guy comes in and is one of the better running backs in that rookie class. Uh, just, I mean, the guy's got everything. Three down running back, in my opinion. Really great player, really productive player in that one season at Memphis. I like him a lot. I think he could be a diamond in a rough. Uh, challenges, Pastel, that, that running back class, maybe only one guy gets picked in the first round. I think that there's a lot of guys in front of him, and because he didn't play, maybe the fifth, sixth, possibly seventh running back taken um, because it's a really talented running back class. But as you said, this guy's a real diamond in the rough and I think could really do a lot of damage at the NFL level. And comparing him to Le'Veon Bell, that's that's huge, man. That, that's a big-time comparison because if I can draft a guy like Le'Veon Bell in the fourth or fifth round, that might be the steal of the draft. <laughs> hey, man, speaking of uh... – steal the draft and somebody that's come out of nowhere or diamond in the rough. How about your next guy, the wide receiver, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. Tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, absolutely. So the receiver I went, and again, I had another honorable mention here, Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan university had a really great college career there at that max school. Also, I think Todd McShay has a personal crush on him. If you listen to any of the super, the senior bowl, practices and Todd McShay couldn't talk about this guy enough that got a little obnoxious <laughs> yeah I mean that got a little obnoxious um <laughs> yeah. just in itself but regardless you can't knock what you see here right play incredibly productive at Western Michigan his speed is off the charts he gets off the line of scrimmage doesn't make a lot of contact uh with corners he was able to really get off clean and I think that's a it's a skill set at the NFL level that doesn't get talked about enough, right? If they're in press man coverage, can I get off of press man ASAP and then use my speed to get away from him? He's an incredible deep threat as well. Averaged 18.5 yards per catch, close to 10 yards after the catch in, catch in his career. The knock against him, and there's really three huge knocks, Pastel. The first one is the film is almost ridiculous, Right, he's just making guys look so bad that you, you almost blink your eyes twice. Like, what am I watching? Um, limited <laughs> route tree guy. I mean, he was just a guy to get straight down the field, deep, deep ball threat. He had a little case of the, the yips, I would say, early in his career, but a little bit more consistent with his hands would be great for NFL teams to see. But from a pure speed standpoint, he's got to be up there as one of the top guys in the draft. Uh, I have him as a as a third round pick 
here in a very talented wide receiver class. I think he's an instant day one starter at the NFL level, probably going to be a slot guy because of his size. He is only 5'9", but I think he's going to be a matchup nightmare. I really do. I think he's going to be an incredible pro, and he's going to be a real diamond in the rough. Well, I wouldn't even say diamond in the rough because a lot of people know about him, but there'll be other receivers picked in front of him for sure. I really do feel like he's at the lower end of that second tier um, as far as receivers being picked. Now, honorable mention, and I'm going to throw him in here because he had such a really good we had such a great senior bowl. It's going to be Kay Johnson out of South Dakota State. Uh, again, another great career for the FCS Jackrabbits, right? Did I get that right, Pastel? He played for the Jackrabbits. Yeah, yep, yep. Jackrabbits comp, if you want to think about a guy that he'll, he looks a lot like, is Tyler Lockett, the receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. And I think he'll go in the fourth or fifth round, too. I think he balled out at the senior bowl. He really turned a lot of heads. And I think that he's going to be a really great value pick there in day three and the team's going to be really lucky to get him oh yeah for sure i mean honestly i think he tyler lockett's a good comparison i think cooper cup is probably another guy that you know came from an fcs school as well i think that's a another great comparison both phenomenal talents for the nfl so i could see that and to kind of keep rolling on my guy my next guy so the tight end i got for this class is matt bushman the senior tight end from byu this guy's a big, big boy, bottom line. He looks like Travis Kelsey out there. He's six foot five, 245 pounds, big dude. But look at his stats. He's got 47 receptions this past year, close to 700 yards and four TDs. So the guy can definitely catch. He's got a huge catch radius. I mean, he's obviously a big body dude. So he's going to be a big red zone threat. He's got great straight line speed. Uh, not, you know, not a lot of wiggle, but not many six foot five, 200 pound guys do. But he can get down the field in a hurry. Uh, so I think this is one of those guys that he's going to slip only, I think, because of his age. He's 25 years old. He went to BYU, so he had to do that mission that most people there have to do. So he, he's coming in a little bit older. Uh, but I think he's still a fourth-round pick, and I think that's a safe, a safe place for him because he's going to be in, he's going to produce almost immediately for whatever team picks him. It's just, again, you're getting a 25-year-old tight end when you got other guys – in this same draft class that are coming in at 20, 21 years old. So I think he's going to be a media impact at the NFL level. Uh, and not, not only for his receiving ability, but he's going to be a good inline blocker as well. I mean, you get that big body on the line, he's going to be able to put his hands on somebody and move some people. So that's the tight end I'm looking for uh, the most on the G5 level. Uh, what about you, Gilles? I mean, I see, I see. It's funny. I'm looking at talking about BYU, yeah. and I'm looking at your next guy, which is another BYU yeah. player. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, before we get into that, Matt Bushman passed out with a good comp here. Be your boy, Drew Sample. Do you like Drew oh, Sample nice. for Matt, Matt yeah. Bushman? Do you like that? I, I think he's a better, a little bit better receiver. I think uh, Drew Sample, same type of body size. I think uh, Drew Sample is a little bit better of an end line blocker. Uh, he is really that traditional blocking tight end. The funny thing about Drew Sample, though, is he never had a drop ball at the University of Washington when he played there. Uh, and now that he's translated that into the NFL, he's still developing uh, as a receiving tight end, but he still doesn't drop balls, bottom line. So uh, I do like that comparison. I would argue that Bushman's a little bit better of a pass catcher, though. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll move on to offensive tackle here. And a guy that I really like a lot for a lot of reasons, Brady Christensen, offensive tackle out of BYU, as Pastel said, as Pastel said earlier. 
I, I project him more as a right tackle at the next level because I don't think he's athletic enough to be a left tackle. I could also see them move move this guy inside to be a guard. I think he's I think he'll end up being versatile. I, I don't think, like I said, he'll be a left tackle at the next level. Love his size, 6'6", 300. They'll probably add uh, a few pounds onto him there, but the frame is an athletic frame to add some more weight on there. A lot of pros to this guy, Pastel. He has had an incredible career at BYU. PFF graded him out in 2019 at an 88%. And then in 2020, he was at a 96% tells you how good he was in college and there's a couple of reasons why right yeah he's a stud his technique is there nfl caliber technique there's really not a lot of developing you're going to have to do with this guy he can be a plug and play offensive tackle he's an elite run blocker and what do i mean by that great great zone blocker right inside zone outside zone mid zone split zone whatever type of zone you want to run He's an elite guy that you can put in there and he could probably do it at multiple positions. He's also a very strategic tackle. And and what I mean that by that is he makes defenders and edge rushers declare their intent intentions in the pass rush. So what that means is he closes a lot of dead space and he doesn't give the defender or the edge rusher a lot of decisions and what they're going to do. Right. If you're going to bull rush me, I'm going to make you make that decision now. If you're going to try, uh, try to do a pass rush move to my inside or the outside, I'm going to I'm going to make you do that right then and there. So it just tells you his smarts as a tackle, and I think a lot of that is 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 really learned with his experience. So that's why I really like him. His biggest knock, though, Pastel, is he hasn't really faced any elite pass rushers in college, which makes him not only tough to evaluate, but it also makes me a little bit nervous. Now, when we had uh, uh, Brandon Thorne from Trench Warfare on the podcast, gosh, had to have been about seven or eight months ago, I remember mm-hmm. having a discussion with him, and, and he's a guy that is off, you know, he breaks down offensive linemen after at the NFL level, as well as breaks down a lot of these prospects. And, and one of the things I asked him was, you know, what are, what are the best ways to evaluate offensive linemen? Uh, You know, what do you look for as far as a prospect? And he said, one of the things that I like to see is I like to see what they do against elite talent, right? Are that, you know, it's easy to look good against a Western Illinois or a Utah state, right? But what do you do against an Alabama? What are you doing against a Clemson? What do you do against those power five teams and to be quite honest with you he hasn't really faced a lot of elite pass rushers so that's why i think it makes him a little bit hard to evaluate when it comes to pass blocking now i do think he's uh around five pick i think he's an incredible value in round five i think he's a plug-and-play starter at the next level uh but i do think that there may be a little bit of a shock for him right it may get a little bit wild you ready showtime on May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13 for him to get going at the NFL level to get used to the speed. Minds me a little bit of Morgan Moses, so the Redskins a little bit. A solid right tackle, great size, 
uh, good athlete, strategic, um, but may need a little bit of time to develop. I do have an honorable mention here, Dylan uh, Redunce out of North Dakota State. I also really like mm-hmm. him as well, but I really like Christensen because he's a plug and play guy. Yeah, I I love everything you just said about him. Besides, I almost disagree with your round projection. I I'd argue he's really a third round pick. I think this guy, like you said, plug and play starter. I think teams will realize that, and uh, I definitely could see him being a day two pick in this upcoming draft. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Could be, could be, and and we'll see. I think I put him at five because... He's probably a right tackle and also could be moved inside to guard. And, right. you know, I look through the tackle class, man. There's a lot of really good tackles. A lot of good tackles. It's, deep, it's, a, man. it's a deep, it's a deep tackle class. And for a guy that hasn't shown what he can do against elite pass rushers, I think some teams may get nervous on that. So I think that's why I had him in round five. So now let's stay on the offensive line, Pastel. Why don't you pick, you know, who is your FC, uh, looks like an FCS guy here for your interior offensive lineman, best at his position? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, one of the guys from the senior bowl that kind of just exploded onto the scene and people couldn't stop raving about him. And that's David Moore, uh, the offensive guard from Grambling. I mean, this guy's smaller dude, but he's like a bowling ball. He's like six foot two. He's about 350 pounds. I mean, the guy is just straight muscle. Um, and you can see that on the film. The guy just bulldozes people, great in the run game, uh, good at the uh, point of impact. So, and this guy showed it. He was pushing around big-time power five defensive linemen all over the place during the senior bowl. So while he doesn't have the competition on a week-to-week basis to prove his talent, he definitely displayed that on the su- at the super, uh, senior bowl. Now, this guy, again, he's a smaller guard. I think he's going to do well in the NFL. It's going to take him a year or two to really establish himself just because of the lack of playing time. He opted out this past year and the lack of uh, experience first, you know, big time pass rushers. So I project him really as a fourth or fifth round pick. I think he's going to be a little bit of an experiment, but at the end of the day, the guy, he can, he can play and he can, he can, if you're going to have big time guys like uh, Shelton, right. Uh, at the NFL level, not too many guys can block those type of nose tackles or defensive tackles. I think this guy at guard is one of those guys that can uh, stop those guys and really be a power in the run game. So I, I would love to see him on a team that utilizes their running back a lot in zone play and things like that. So he, he's going to be one of those guys again. It will not shock me if he is a 10-year starter in this league, and that's David Moore from Grambling. He's like a bowling ball pastel. He kind of reminds me of one of the guards in the replacements. You know what I mean? One of the, he's just, the Chinese guys. <laughs> no, no, not the Chinese guys. Yeah, remember the 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 two twins, the black guys? Oh yes. Yeah, it kind of yeah, reminds yeah. me of that, right? Kind of reminds me of the shorter one because he is, but smaller guard, but he's strong because he can just anchor. So I really, I really like that about him. He's a, a great interior threat, and I like your evaluation to where. If he gets it right and gets a little bit more, uh, you know, his uh, t- 
technique a little bit more fine-tuned, I, I think I could see him being a start in the NFL for a long time. So I really like that evaluation. Now let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I have edge rushers. And I'll be honest with you, Pastel, it was really hard for me to find a non-power five edge rusher that will more than likely be taken in the NFL draft and not signed as an undrafted free agent. But looking through my research, my notes, and reading a lot from guys that I really respect as far as their evaluation, I did go with Teron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina. Again, Coastal Carolina gets so much run on this show uh, as we're all – Chanticleer fans, a little bit undersized <laughs> as an edge as an edge rusher. He's six two, uh, two sixty, so undersized in the sense that probably from a height perspective. Interesting. Coastal Carolina was the only D one offer he had coming out of high school. An incredibly strong kid, uh, strong upper body. He's got arms that they quote unquote are like baseball bats, right? Just they're just friggin' trees. Great lower body, also extremely productive in college, 22 sacks the last two seasons, also graded out very well on pro football focus. Uh, great hands, uh, and he's very combative. combative. So, what, so what do I mean by that? That means if I'm in a pass rush situation and the offensive lineman is back in his kick step and then tries to punch me, right, tries to get to my chest and punch and get my hands mm-hmm. on, I'm very good at using my hands to slap them down and try to get underneath. So he's great in his combative hands, which I really like. Couple couple knocks against him, though. Competition, he only competed against one Power 5 team, and that was Kansas. So probably look on the film and look at the tackles that he was playing against and like, eh, I don't. I don't know if he went up against the best of the best. And in the senior bowl, he was pretty, pretty mediocre at best. I do love his speed though, probably his size. And I I saw a couple other scouts and what they called his bend. And what do I mean by bend? It means in a password situation, can I turn the corner, right? Can I turn the corner around the offensive tackle to get the quarterback? Not great at it either. So there are a couple of knocks against him. Ultimately, I think he's a late day three pick could be a good special team player and could be a situational edge rusher, but I really do like the kid. I think he's got a great motor as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just looking at his size, that's almost identical to Carl Lawson of the Cincinnati Bengals, who is probably about to get a pretty big payday. So if you want to look at it, an undersized defensive and edge type of rusher, Taron Jackson reminds me a lot of Carl Lawson, especially with the production he had at Coastal. Also, I think one of the guys, just to quickly mention, is Jordan Smith, the edge rusher from UAB. He's yep. six foot seven, 255 pounds. He had 10 sacks two years ago, uh, I think about five this past year. I think somebody's going to look at that skill set and that size and absolutely take a flyer on Jordan Smith as well. Uh, yeah, nice yeah, no, I like Jordan Smith a lot as well. Uh, obviously, he has Power Five experience being at Florida before he yep. ended yep. up being at UAB. Certainly, another guy to to keep note of, and we've certainly talked about Jordan Smith a lot on this show. So that would be the other guy that I would take a look of. So, Pastel, how about defensive tackle? What uh, non Power Five guy is top of your list? I guess we might as well just uh, be BYU fans for this show, man, because I think the top. Uh, interior defensive lineman on, on this draft from a non-Power 5 uh, conference is Tyrus Tunga, the big boy 
from BYU standing in at six foot four, 325 pounds. Ooh, what I an mean, anchor. He, he is a, anchor. He is an anchor. Uh, he's got a great motor. I mean, his production at BYU doesn't look like it's eye-popping. He only had three and a half sacks last year. He also had uh, five pass defenses as well. So he definitely keeps his hands in the air, not in the air, knocking those balls down. But I mean, dude, he was double teamed, if not triple teamed, most of the time in, in his career at BYU. So that's what you get when you're a big time run stuffer. Uh, you're not going to have the stats like most guys there, uh, but he's a big time player. And I think he's going to be at least a two down lineman at the NFL. So I think while he won't be, you know, a day two, day one pick, I think you're going to find some, you're going to find some potential there uh, in the later rounds. I've got him right now as a sixth round pick just because he's going to be able to play for you, whether again, that's first or second down, he's going to make an impact, whether it's on the goal line, whether it's fourth and one, you're going to want a guy like this that can just eat up space on the defensive line on your team. So Kyrus Tunga, keep an eye on this guy in the draft. I like that guy. We may as well call this the BYU show because I think that's our third BYU guy, right? Am I right on that? I think so. And I, I, I think, think so. that's the last one we got on the show. So. It looks like it's the last. <laughs> it looks like it's the last one. So let's go to another box player here. No surprise. Again, I, I had a really difficult time trying to find someone else besides this guy because Zayvon Collins is more than likely stud. going to be a day one pick. He's such a stud. Six foot four, 260, an incredible athlete for his size. He's really a freak. He has the rare ability to be great in pass coverage. And a lot of that has to do pass though, because of his size. He's so Mm -hmm. long and lanky. He can really shut down a lot of those lanes, especially in zone coverage, but he rushes like an edge rusher, right? Reminds me of Micah Parsons in that. I mean, literally, I think they're, they're kind of close players. I I think Zayvon Collins is probably better in pass coverage than Parsons is, but what separates these two guys apart is the fact that they can rush the passer like an edge rusher, right? They're yep. great blitzers. And in 2020, they sent Zaven Collins on 50 some blitzes this year. And that was, I think 15 more than either year that he had started previous at Tulsa. So Tulsa knew what they had and they sent him after the quarterback. The knock against him is that he's really not the natural tackler or bully that Parsons is. Parsons is kind of like, Patrick Willis out there, right? Like a guy who's just a natural badass. Go yep. out there tackling. He's gonna. He's just. He's just a dude. Zaven Collins is probably not that natural bully or tackler. So tackling can certainly improve, but he'll be a day one pick because he's such a freak athlete for his size. A lot of teams are saying that he's really a scheme fit. I haven't watched enough film to know what type of scheme. Like I don't know what that means what type of scheme like are we talking where he's a hybrid is he if it's a six-man box is he one of the two inside backers is he a nickel or a dime guy like I don't know what that means so I you know I need to go back and do that research when they say hey he's a scheme fit I don't really know what that means as far as a scheme fit but regardless he's a freak athlete certainly the best non-power five inside backer or not an inside backer, but just the second level linebacker, I would say. Um, certainly a freak and a guy that we're a big fan of on the show. Yeah. And to, to that argument, like, I don't like that because in today's NFL, we've got teams throwing it 50 to 60 times a game, but that's not an abnormal weekend. 
at least quarterbacks throw it at least 30 or 40 times every single game in the NFL. And if you have a linebacker that can play three downs and not be a liability in coverage, that is a huge asset in the NFL, especially if you add on his ability to rush the passer. Like, I mean, scheme fit, I don't like that because I think he fits any scheme. And if he doesn't, you have the wrong scheme in the NFL. Hey, that's very fair, and there's nothing nothing wrong with that. Paso's moving to the secondary, and it looks like that you and I, so you're going to take corner, I'm going to take safety, and shocker, we're taking guys from the same school. So why don't you start us off with your number one non-P5 corner? I know. It makes you wonder why UCF wasn't as good as what they probably should have been with some of the prospects they own that team. But I'm going to go Aaron Robinson, the cornerback from UCF. He's 5'11", 190. Uh, this guy once was a four-star player that played for the University of Alabama. So it wasn't, you know, no joke coming into college. Uh, but he transferred to UCF, had a pretty productive year. I mean, his junior year, so 2019, he had three interceptions to go along with 10 pass defenses. So he's got the ability to get his hands in there, break up passes. He's shown the ability to turn, get the ball, and, you know, take it the other way. Now, last year, a little bit of a down year, which I think is why I heard his stock a little bit. He had zero picks and not as many pass defenses. But, you know, he wasn't as targeted as much either. So that has something to show with his ability to cover. So I, I like what he, he has from a size standpoint. I like his ability from a production standpoint in college. Uh, I think he's going to be more of a fifth-round pick just because he hasn't shown the consistency year in, year out to really be anything higher. But I do like the upside with this kid. So, yeah, I think he's probably going to be more of a slot corner. And at the next level, I don't really see him being one of those two outside guys. But if you want a productive guy, you can draft him in the fifth round, be that slot corner, which is, you know, very valuable in today's NFL because they're lining up three, four receivers uh, at a time out there. So this guy could be a really good impact for your team if you draft him there in the later rounds. But to go off of that, Gless, who's the next guy from UCF that you like at safety? In a very, very deep safety class, I will also make note of that. This guy... I think is going to be a really good pro. And that's Richie Grant out of UCF. Naturally, he's instinctive. The The way he anticipate plays, I would say, is elite. Able to process what's going on. He's able to pattern read. He's able to identify things quicker than the normal safety, right? And I think that makes up for his knock, which is speed. Yeah. The ability to anticipate the plays, other other guys can make up for it with their speed. He unfortunately does not have that that ability, but it doesn't mean that he's a really he isn't a really good player. Also, he's really versatile, right? Can play multiple positions on the field. He can be a deep safety. He can be in the box. He's a really good tackler. Ultimately, I just think he's a really good football player, and I think he's going to be a really good pro. He's going to play special teams as well as could be used in a lot of different positions, dime packages, nickel packages. He could be an everyday starter. I don't think he's elite at the NFL level, but he's going to be a guy that's going to play five, six, seven, could be even a decade in the league because of his versatility. And again, Pat, so he's just a really good football player. And he's a guy that I would love on my roster. And because of that, in a very deep safety class, I could see him going very late day two in the third round. But I have him here as a, a fourth round pick because I think the safety class is just so deep. And there's guys that are that are faster than he is. And I think teams are going to take that. And that's why I think he's going to end up being a day 
he's going to end up being a day three pick, right? Because isn't day two day? I'm sorry, day two is just rounds two and three, correct? Yeah, correct. correct. I see him as a fourth round pick, right? So he'll be a day three pick there. But again, he's a day three pick that I think will pay dividends for a franchise for years to come because he can play a lot of different positions. And you know what? I bet he's going to be really good on special teams. Be a really good special teams player. <laughs> I bet players have to hate that, right? Like when you start like discussing them in a scouting report and you're like, this guy is probably a good special teams player. It's like, to me, that says he's got a lot of heart. He's got a good motor, knows how to tackle, does the fundamentals right. But, but you know what? <laughs> but you know what though, Pastel? I think it's, I think it's a compliment because if you can play, he's going to make a lot of rosters over his career because he can, he'll be able to play special teams. Right. And right, he may be a right. starter that could play special teams or he could be a situational guy. I think he's just a really good football player. And I think he's a guy he that could fit really any roster and be on that roster for a long time. Do I think he's going to be uh, one of the top safeties in the league? No, I don't. But I do think he's going to be a really good pro and he's going to play for a long, long time in the NFL. Yeah. He's probably one of those guys that it helped that he didn't have a combine. Because I wouldn't be surprised if he went out there and ran, like, say, a four six five, and then his stock starts to drop. People start to question his athleticism. But when you watch the game tape, you're like, this dude's one of the best safeties in the country. Purely this dude. Game tape, he is. Yeah, this dude uh, can play, for uh, sure. So I think maybe the combine was a – yeah, it was it was good that it didn't happen for him because I think he will get drafted, said, probably fourth round. And some teams going to be fortunate, absolutely, to have him on their team. Yeah, but speaking, yeah, and how about the most important position? Talk yeah, about I was gonna say teams. speaking <laughs> of, speaking of special teams, give me your special teams player, so punter or kicker, right? So so specialist, special yeah. team specialist, out of that is not a P five that that's at top of your list, Pastel. Yeah, I almost wanted to go like kicker punt returner, but you know what? I'm gonna give the uh, the guys that kicked the ball a little love in today's podcast, and the guy I'm gonna highlight is Riley Patterson. Uh, the kicker from Memphis University. And I believe Memphis also had a kicker. Was it uh, Elliot, the, the kicker for the Eagles? I think he came from Memphis a few years ago as well. But uh, Riley Patterson, this guy is a very consistent, very accurate kicker. I mean, he's got a leg too. I mean, his long last year was 56 yards. He hit uh, five out of seven last year from 40 to 49, which, you know, just goes to show that intermediate to deep range and his accuracy with that. And the thing I love about him the most is you see in today's NFL, people are just missing extra points after extra points. Now they backed it up a few yards. Riley Patterson was 240 for 246 in his career. This guy did not miss when it came to extra points. I mean, unbelievable. Last year he was 36 for 37 in extra points. So you got to love his ability to stay consistent. He doesn't miss field goals. He's got a good enough leg. Uh, so for that being said, you don't see kickers really getting drafted in today's NFL. I think he might be a late round flyer, like a seventh round, but most likely he's going to be a priority undrafted free agent and probably be a starter in this league in a year or two. So Raleigh Patterson from Memphis, he's probably my top G5 kicker and probably a top three kicker overall coming into the draft. Kickers, the guys who sit at the back of the bus with no one sitting with them but the ones that may end up being the most important at the end of the game. So those guys get no love, Pastel. So I'm glad that you gave a kicker some love on the show. <laughs> well, you know what? When it's your team down by two with 30 seconds left, and you need somebody to nail a 40-yard kicker. You're going to love kickers too, or you're going to hate them. So today we choose the love. Love it, love it. Well, 
that is our non-Power 5 draft, NFL draft prospects, prospects preview. A lot of UCF, a lot of Memphis, and a lot of BYU love on this show. But again, those were the guys that performed. And if you look at their team record well, and their success over the years, it's, it's, no, it's no shocker that these guys really rise to the cream of the crop. And you know what's funny is uh, we talked about BYU this whole show, and we didn't mention Zach Wilson once. <laughs> so that's another guy that's probably going to be picked second or third overall in the draft from a yeah, that's program. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess I could have taken Zach Wilson, but I don't know. Too easy. I, too that's, easy. that's too easy. Of course, I guess Trey Lance is easy too. I don't know. E- either one, I couldn't go wrong. The other thing is I've already talked about Zach Wilson on the show in the quarterback in the quarterback breakdown. So. Maybe that's why I subconsciously went towards Trey Lance. Yeah, well, you know, Trey, Trey Lance hasn't really played for a year and a half outside the one game uh, this past year. So, I mean, yeah, I like it, Gless, because not a lot of people have seen him in the last, you know, 18 months. So we need to break him down a little bit more. That's right. That's right. Well, as always, you can follow Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, make sure you subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform. You name it, we are on it. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, whatever podcast platform, we are certainly there. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all of our new episodes that come our out weekly. And our website. And we will – I was going to mention that, Pastel, so we will also soon – be launching prospects101.com where you can also get links to the podcast as well as our player breakdowns and our specific mock drafts. So that will be launching here within the week. But for Pastel, I'm Gless. We'll be back next week to break down one of our mock drafts.